This is a Be Groovy or Leave production. Head to BeGroovyOrLeave.com to discover the best in new music. Now on with your show. Welcome to Life on Music. I'm your host, Jesse Napper. Thank you so much for joining me. This week I got to chat with someone who I've known for quite a while now, Ethan Conway, who is a singer-songwriter who recently put out his debut album, In Transition, which I would recommend you all listen to. It's your homework for the week, but that's enough from me for now. Let's jump into the chat with Ethan Conway. All right, we have Ethan Conway with us. Hello, how you doing, mate? I'm doing very good. Um, thanks so much for doing the show today. My pleasure. It's good to see you. Yeah, for sure. It's been, um, we've been torn apart by COVID. Oh, um, it, it's torn so much apart, but especially our physical connection. Yeah. You're, honest, <laughs> you're honestly probably one of the last people I saw before COVID. Yeah, we was, did the gig at Lazy Bands, yes. hey? Oh, no, no. What no, was it called? Um, we did a gig at... Is it in Enmore? Enmore. A, a venue in Enmore. Hideaway bar. I should remember this because I lots of emails. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a fun times, and mm. then I think that was maybe the last time I went out. So, uh, me too. Yeah, yeah. It, it it happened real quick, didn't it? Yeah, that was um lucky to gig, get a last gig in. That was my last original gig as well before yeah, this all happened. Sure. Craziness. So um, no gigs at the moment. You, you you mentioned to me earlier you've got one gig tomorrow tomorrow being the day we're recording the podcast yeah um it'll be in the past once the podcast is out yeah so sorry everybody you've missed you've missed it gig, but um, um we we can just um do like we can pretend you've done the gig and just go just tell us how well it went the gig the gig went um really well really well yeah. everybody loved it um yeah it was just it was a really touching moment um yeah it was a great time I was so surprised when you started doing the fire breathing. Yeah, I know. Like, People didn't think it was going to happen. Yeah, but. it was just like a chill acoustic gig and then just... you got to keep the audience on their toes. That's, That's the thing. Yeah. Uh, but what, what have you been doing in these <laughs> these times? Yeah, well, look, it's been about three months since we saw each other at that gig, um, mm-hmm. since COVID and all that. But um, yeah, man, I just... Because obviously all gigs stop. That's my main... That's how I make my money. Like that's how I make my living in Sydney is yeah. just by doing gigs and stuff. Um, and when that all stopped, I kind of had a lot of free time, as you could imagine. So I've just been getting into stuck into the original stuff. Like um, people may not know, but like there's a cover side of music where you see people playing bars, and then there's the original side of music where it's all original and it's ticketed, and it's kind of two halves of a whole sort of thing. And um, because now all of those cover gigs kind of stopped. My logical conclusion was to dive into all of my original stuff head first. And that's all I've been doing. Yeah. Just setting up the studio and um, writing music and making connections, doing a lot of songwriting with different artists in Sydney. And yeah, it's been great. I, I've, I've kind of liked it, which is an odd thing to think because we're all so cooped up and yeah, there's a lot of restrictions, but it's been the kind of a bit of a blessing in disguise for me in terms of, now that all the gigs have stopped for once since starting doing live music, I can like decide to pick up gigs again. It's not like they've you know, sometimes just you roll on with something because yeah. it's, because it's the way it is. So um, I'm really being intentional about what gigs I'm picking up and how much time I'm spending 
doing cover music versus getting stuck into my original stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I have actually seen a lot on your Instagram. You'll randomly put up just songs you've been working on. Sounding very cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think maybe last time we spoke, you mentioning you were getting more into production yourself. Yeah, I have. Has been. that been a, that's been a different process for you? For sure. Yeah, I've always. Um, I think as a lot of songwriters, we all have GarageBand on our computers, mm-hmm. like some sort of workstation that you can make music on whether that be ableton or logic or whatever um um, and obviously we studied the jmc like we um we studied music production to some degree at university so we all kind of know how it works but um yeah really started diving into it this year in general but especially during covid i think it's just because i have more time i've been able to get more deep into it but um yeah it's come a long way since um since even like my last album, um, I did obviously do demos for those songs by myself and then go with a producer to work on them because I'm not an expert producer, especially sure. at that point. Um, but yeah, now it's come a long way. Like um, I find I have more creative input to my songs because I can, I'm, I have a better ability at producing those sounds um, and getting around the the application that I'm using. So I use logic. So yeah, just learning bits and pieces and you get better every song you make. It's kind of like anything, like if you're painting or you're doing any task, like the more, the more repetitions you do, the the better you get and the more sure. well-rounded you are. So um, I've just had more time in COVID to do that. So I've just, yeah, it's coming along well. I'm really, really happy with the complexity and how I'm growing as a, as a songwriter. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, Definitely keen to hear what you come up with, um, whether it be, I don't know, more singles and EPs or albums or whatever. Mm. Um, yeah, I think so that's probably the yeah. next thing would be like, um, I think I'm going to do singles. I did that album yep. um, in transition, came out in Feb. So good. Um, and yeah, it was super fun to make. That it was my first album. I think um, purely just the way that people release music now um, Singles is more beneficial to me because yeah. you, when you do, you're spending a certain amount of money on a song and you, you're putting a certain amount of time into marketing a song rather than eight songs or 10 yeah. songs. So that song gets its time to shine. And if you do an album, you might put the same amount of marketing in, but that's split amongst eight or 10 songs or whatever. Sure. So, you know, I, I really like the songs that I'm working on and I think they deserve that time to have their moment um and yeah it's just generally like singles get better views than albums do unless holistically and out al- the album is amazing and you know yeah. um, so there's a there's a whole bunch of reasons but i think singles will be the next few at least then maybe down the line i'll do another album but yeah singles for now yeah it's definitely harder i mean i've never put out an album but i'd imagine it's harder to get people to listen for like 40 minutes than whatever four minutes yeah it's it's um i mean people are busy like you know there's something about how we're moving on as a society that our attention spans aren't as maybe they're not maybe they're not weaker but maybe we just have less time in the day we fill up our days with other things and yeah something about it just means that your attention to a song or an album people aren't as patient in that way unless you have a like a, a history with them if they're a, a fan 
beforehand. Yeah. Um, they might take the time out to go and listen to the whole thing because they have faith in you. But especially when you're reaching new, um, like new audience, um, you really need, if you're going to do an album, you really need the front half of it to be pretty good. I mean, it has to be yeah. good the whole way through, but especially the front, because if you've got some lacking songs in the first three songs, they might just not listen to the rest. So no, that's all sure. things you think about um, when making like an album. Look, when I made my album, I tried to think about, you know, you, you don't want people to lose attention and just go, ah, you know, so it's a, it's a process, but um, yeah, that's why singles are great. Cause chuck them out. They, they don't have to commit something about committing to something. Yeah. Committing to listening to a whole album is a bit daunting for people like, in, in a weird way. Whereas committing to listening to a song for three minutes or even just uh, listen to the chorus, like people do that. Right. And they yeah. shuffle through, I'll go, we'll get, we'll wait to the chorus, see if it's good. Um, so, you know, if you can just give them a single and it hits, then that's probably a better, um, you're probably more likely to get them on board to listen to one song versus an album, especially for a new audience member. Is that, is that part of the reason why you went for a shorter album? So it's only eight tracks, I think. Mm. Um, honestly, no. Yeah. Um, I, um, that's kind of, I wrote many more songs for that uh, in transition. I wrote, um, it's probably like 20, 25 songs for that. Um, and they vary from being completely finished to being half-baked ideas sort of thing. You never, yeah. You, yeah, as you as a musician know as well, like there are songs that you half-finish and then they don't go any further because you can tell that they, they're not up to the quality that you want. Sure. So I wrote, yeah, maybe 20, 25, and then got that down to eight. I think it's eight for that album. Um, yeah, it wasn't really about like having a short one because of um, attention span. It's just because that's, how many songs um, were strong enough that I liked them enough to put money and time and effort into putting them out and they meant okay. something to me. And also, um, and also, yeah, they work together. Like the so- sonically, because I write a lot of different genres as well. Mm-hmm. So some of them were too far away from that sound that, um, that they wouldn't have fit in the album. It would have been a bit jarring maybe. Um, so yeah, that was the reasoning. But I mean, yeah, but mostly because they were the best songs, and they were the, they were at the quality that I was happy with putting out. So there's no not much rhyme or reason for it, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, there definitely, like I said, there is a vibe that goes throughout the whole album, and like I know it sounds silly, silly. It feels like an album. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, sometimes you hear, especially with people's debuts, it just sounds like these are the songs I've written so far and they can go back. It could be like 10 years of songwriting or something. And, and there's yeah. kind of disconnected. For sure. For sure. That's a, I have that problem all the time. Um, and I'm glad that you, you feel like that's not a problem on in transition. That's good to hear. But I think, I think maybe I worked with um, my producer and mix engineer at the time, um, Matt Favanti. He, um, he, he helped with production and he mixed the entire album. So I think cohesively um, he's played a part in the sort of regulation of, of sonically how it kind of flows together is I think he's kind of gelled a lot of that together. Um, uh, yeah. Now, now that 
like, as I was saying, back when I made the album, I wasn't all that into production. Um, I could make a good demo, but, you know, still getting there. And I still am now. Um, But I think when I made that album, I had less of a creative input than I would have wanted. And maybe that's what's glued it together because um, I've had help from a singular person to help with the entire album. So that does tend to glue it together. Um, The way that he would mix and the way that he would produce would be cohesive along uh, across the whole album. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I find I often like to read who produced something, who produced an album, whatever, who who does the songwriting on it. And I find it like with a lot of even like bigger albums, there's like 10 songs and like each song is done by a different producer. Yeah. It seems so strange to me that you yeah, make something like that. Mm, well, in the days of like singles, right, yeah. um, I, I it, with my with my past stuff, I've for each project had a singular person to mix slash um, executively produce the, the the stuff. So I come mm. with a pretty well done song. We touch it up and then they mix it. So it's been with one person the entire time. But I think as I'm getting now past the album and getting onto these new singles, I am actually doing that too, where I'm working with multiple producers. Um, and, you know, it's nice to expand and see who you work with you know, you sure. could like who you're working with there, but you might work even better with somebody else or it just might turn out differently. It's all yeah, music's sure. always like an exploration and there's always something um, uncertain about it. So it's nice to just tee up with different people and see what comes out. Yeah. Uh, something, so yesterday um, leading up to the interview, um, I'd, I'd heard all your stuff before, but I decided just to go from the start and just like EP or album at a time, just go through for like maybe like an hour and a half or something. Cool. And something I noticed was there's definitely in kind of all aspects, so like production and songwriting, that there's been such an improvement each time, I find. Mm. I don't know if you feel the same. I totally feel the same way. Um, that's kind of a goal of mine. Yeah. Like I think it is what consciously or subconsciously a goal of every musician is to be better, um, and do different things than you did before. Nobody wants to be stale and do the same thing. And nobody wants to put out a song that's objectively worse quality or worse songwriting than their last thing. Yeah. They always, you always want to improve because we care about our art. Like, so yeah, I, I started out with what I could do, which was um, built up walls, the EP. That was when I was mm-hmm. back at JMC. Um, yeah, that was, I was get, just started getting into songwriting and just started getting into writing for band. Like there's some songs on there that are acoustic and some that are band arranged, then move on to the next EPs and start to expand, maybe put a little bit more electronic influence into the songs mm-hmm. and the better production. And yeah, it just goes on and on. Like um, I hope that my next singles will be better than that album. Like that's kind of, Sometimes we think of music as a competition between other people, like they're bad, they're doing better than me. And I, mm-hmm. everybody has those thoughts, I think, um, uh, whether they like them or not. But I try and just stick to like, as long as I'm doing better than me before, then, yeah. then I'm happy with that. Then I'm moving in the right direction. Um, yeah, that's why I was kind of excited to see what's coming next, just because not to say like, like, it was a good start with um, Build Up Wars and then it's just been a leap up, then a leap up with um, In Transition 
um, yeah, I'm just excited to hear what comes next. Yeah, it's um, yeah, I'm excited to hear your stuff too. Like, oh, it's, I think um, we're all, coming, we're all coming around slow. How is it all going with you? Um, yeah, not bad. I've got, I've just got to like basically get it mixed. There's a little bit of vocal recording to do. Cool. But I just, need Dixie in my life, yeah. man. Yeah, it's just um. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't leave the house for a while, and also we're doing it at my producer's house, and he was in the the process of sorry in the process of moving, and there was just nowhere to do it. But things get in the way. For sure. I've got everything else done. I've got like artwork done, um, awesome. somewhat of a promotion plan, um, but just like the important part of the song, as yeah. they say. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I can't wait to hear it, man. Like I've every time I've seen you perform live, like um, the songs you play live have stuck out with me so much, and a lot of them are are ones that you've not recorded. Um, and yeah, I just can't wait for the, the world to be able to hear those as well because yeah, not everyone can see you live. You know, not everyone's like in Sydney and can come to a gig, so it'd be good to have that out in the world. No, I'm excited. Mm. Um, I'm just such a such a slow worker. Oh, we all are, man. You just got to push yourself. Have you found in COVID, like, um, you've gotten more into writing your original stuff? Like, you've had more time or? Um, not really. Um, I'm such a, how do I put it? I, I don't actually write a lot. Um, okay. So, I, I kind of, I come up with the kind of ideas every day and then they just kind of never go anywhere a lot of the time. For sure. Um, but yeah, I can go like, like a few months without actually writing a full song. Yep. And then, well, so like, for example, recently, maybe the last song I wrote was in, might've been right at the start of COVID. Yeah. And then like last week I wrote three songs in a day. And then like, since then kind of a little bit of ideas and that, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if that's a weird way to work. No, I, I, I think it's not, especially for your own stuff, um, it kind of like just comes when it comes to some regard. I think if you, if you, uh, if you consciously go and sit down and go, I'm going to go write, um, that will give you a higher likelihood that you'll end up writing a song, yeah. obviously, but um, you just by putting yourself in the situation. But sometimes you just need to wait for that little bit of inspiration to hit you. Um, I I totally get you. I, I've been writing a lot for other artists during COVID as well. I'm um, getting into that. And that's more of a thing that I can just, I can sit down and do it because it's not really like my story to tell in a way. Okay. When yeah. I'm co-writing with people, um, I find that I can, can kind of switch it on a bit more, but when I'm writing for my own stuff, it tends to be exactly like you. Like yeah. sometimes I'll write three songs, three, have three amazing ideas in one day and be on top of the world. And then for a week, I'll like just not have the urge. I just don't have the urge to write a song. Um, yeah, it's always a balance. I find, I think there's like a quote by Ed, I think Ed Sheeran said, it. I don't know. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that if I don't know who actually said it, but um, it's like songwriting is like a leaky tap. Like, you know, first when you turn it on, it'll start flowing like an old, an old tap. It'll just have a bit of crap in it and it'll, a little bits of water will start splurting out, but it's kind of inconsistent. But if you just keep running it, it'll start flowing more consistently and the clear water will come. And that's kind of, 
I think it's an analogy for anything. If you just, like we said at the start, if you just keep doing something, you're constantly going to get better and more consistent and, 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 and be more successful at it. You just got to put the hours in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, something I feel, um, I don't know, maybe you are the same as well. Um, you're building up to kind of a collection. So say, and my like opinion is then this may be bad for my actual songwriting, but if I can't write something better than like, say the like 10 songs, my 10 best or something so far, I'm probably never going to use them. Does yeah. that make sense? That's um, probably a bad way to think. When you, when you say best though, best is a, is a comparison, right? Right. Yeah. But me personally, how I feel about my songs changes when, as time goes on. So I think my songs are the best <laughs> when I make them as yeah. every musician does. Um, I'm really into them. And as time goes on, um, they become more of like a memory to me, more of like a timestamp of that's how I felt at that time. Okay. But as I, obviously, as we go through time, uh, certainly I feel like I'm growing as a person trying to get better and broaden my horizons. And so those, I don't connect as much with those songs anymore because I'm not the same person as when I wrote them. So it's easier for me to beat my last songs because the songs that I'm writing right now mean more to me because it's about how I'm feeling right now and not when I was younger, you know? No, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, so in a way I do agree with you and you should hold yourself to us. I think it, you should be trying to strive for better and better songs, but that is objective. And I think just as time goes on, you will be more interested in the songs you're writing right now than the yeah. ones you wrote a few no, years ago. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like the song we're talking about Dixie, I wrote it so long ago and I'm just like, I actually wasn't that keen on the song when I first wrote it. Um, just cause it was kind of just like a, the way I played it on guitar, just being acoustic and stuff. Mm. It was just so just the same thing, the whole song. And it might, um, but once I got together with a band, it's just like, this makes so much sense. It is. And that's a very interesting point because probably the first time I heard that song, it was really old to you already. Yeah. I've heard you play it a few times live. And, but the thing is, it's old to you, but it was brand new to me. Yeah. No, yeah. And that's a thing that happens because I, I hear people talk about like let's say stay, which was my very first single that I put out yep. when I think I was 18 or 19. Um, and objectively to me, I don't like that song. Like I, it's a nice song and it means a lot to me because it was my first song. I have a lot of memories around making that song, but um, I, I get people messaging me about that song and I, I completely that they, cause they've listened to it for the first time and it's this brand new thing to them. But for me, it's so old. Yeah. Um, same with Dixie for, for you, Dixie. I literally cry when I hear that song. Oh, wow. When, when we were at highway bar, I cried when you played that song. It is that touching. Yeah. Yet to you, it's old. It's such a weird thing. I actually think it maybe went the opposite way. When I started playing it more, I got more into it because it's got a, it's got a better vibe now, I think. Yeah. The, the, as you said, the band arrangement, of it, I can totally see that if that was an acoustic, it has a lot of rep repetitive elements to it. But when you have now arranged it as a band arrangement, you've got more players to do different things and have um, 
they have their individual parts and there's a bit more going on. It's a bit more complex, which takes away from that simplicity and the repetition. So it's awesome. Yeah. And I I like it actually with the sort of rockier, it's like indie rock vibe. Yeah. So nice, man. I'm like, I'm so keen for that song to be out. I can't wait. You'll You'll be first to hear it. Yes. Yes. I'll be the actual first to hear it, but you'll be second to well, hear of it. Of course, of course, yeah. <laughs> Actually, the guy mixing it will be the first to hear it. Because he'll be mixing yeah. it, yeah. Yeah. He'll be top I'll be ten. third. I'll be okay. Top, top ten. ten. You're just <laughs> moving it. down the list as, yeah. as time goes. Well, your bandmates probably have to hear it first. And then, yeah. yeah. Okay, I understand. I understand. Yeah. If I'm in the top ten, I'm happy about that. You know, I'll just put out a group chat and then... Just chuck us just the Just whoever yeah. listens first, it's up to them. Cool. Welcome to the halfway point of the episode. As always, I just wanted to break it up for a second to let you know if you would like to check out Ethan's music, you can head to Spotify or Apple Music and a bunch of other streaming services where you can go and buy his music as well. Or if you'd like to follow him on his socials, Instagram, Facebook, that kind of thing, all the details are in the description of this episode, so check him out there. Or if you'd like to keep up to date with Life on Music, you can subscribe where you're listening now, or you can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram, where I post a couple of videos from each episode. So if you'd like that little bit of extra content, I'd recommend following me there. But let's jump back into the chat with Ethan Conway. Something I wanted to talk about, Mm. um, we've known each other for maybe like three, four years now, maybe. But I don't actually know that much about you like before I met you. Everything I kind of know is from after. So um, I just wanted to know about your past with music and how um, like when you got into music. So was there a certain age you started um, either playing an instrument or singing? Yeah, yeah. so I, it was a bit of a weird journey, but um, I originally started like in year three and I never remembered this, but I remembered it a few years back that I, I always tell people I started singing at 17, which technically I did because I started actually singing in year 12, which when I was 17 at the time. Um, but I had this memory flashback that I actually, I sung in choir when I was in like year three. And I sung at the opera house and I, oh, I wow. totally blanked that out of my mind for ages. But I, I did sing in, I very much remember singing at the opera house in a choir. But then after that, end of primary school, I didn't sing at all. And I didn't really have all that much interest in music other than anybody else would listen to music. Like wasn't necessarily musically inclined from my memory. Um, when I was... Uh, in year seven, I picked up guitar. My best mate in high school um, was like a singer and he sung like the national anthem. Shout out to Shay Godfrey, um, best man. Um, yeah, he, so he was like, the, he sung the national anthem and played guitar and very musical guy. He taught me a few chords on guitar, picked it up, um, did music throughout high school. Um, just guitar, was far too shy to sing, far too shy. Um, which is odd because now I remember that I was, I sung in choir when I was in year three. So I don't know, 
but yeah, I was too shy to sing. Um, played guitar, really, really enjoyed it. Loved John Butler, John Mayer, um, and even some like indie stuff like um, the Wombats and and yeah, just a, quite a diverse. I even loved heavy metal. Like I was absolutely insane for like heavy metal music. I went wow. to Soundwave and um, yeah, loved all sorts of types of guitar music. And then in year 12, I started singing, kind of got the confidence to sing um, and ended up doing three out of four of my performances for my HSC were vocal performances, not guitar. Wow. So I kind of, in that year of year 12, very much heavily lent into, into singing more than guitar. Um, and from there, like I just applied straight to JMC because that's all I really cared about. Everybody was talking in high school about, oh, what uni are you going to go to? Or I'm applying to this uni, so-and-so. Like, I'm sure you had those conversations. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. I really like music though. Um, and I've really, my parents are super supportive. Um, they didn't even bat an eye about going to music school. I know that's an issue for some people. Their parents don't think it's a career path. And my parents were super supportive about that. So I'm quite grateful for that. Went to, you know, applied for a few universities, ended up picking JMC. And from there, yeah, um, uh, started learning, doing vocal lessons, um, learning at JMC about performance. And then I ended up doing the voice. Um, one of my friends from JMC just, um, they were like, you should go on, you should audition. Um, I think she, she really loved Delta Goodrum, this girl, right. Jewel. Her name was shout out to Jewel. Um, yeah, she uh, she said oh, you should really you should really audition and apply. And I was like, yeah, sure. I chucked up one of my YouTube covers onto the onto the website, the audition thing, and just ran with it and got got through. And um, that's sort of when I once I came off the show, I ended up. Um, that's when I kind of had the epiphany that oh, I should probably put some really hard work into this. If I can get this far after only singing for 17, 18, two, two years, a year and a mm -hmm. half to go on the voice, I should probably put some effort in and try and see if I can do this properly. So, yeah. I'm actually, I was actually so surprised to hear that you only started singing at 17. Yeah. Cause, um, I was terrible. I was so bad, but like listening, I would probably put you maybe top singer that I know. Just oh. every time, every time I hear you sing, it's like, how the fuck does he sing like that? Oh man. And what a compliment. Just, Thank you. Um, yeah. And it's, I kind of had this assumption that it was going to be, I've been singing since I was five years old. Yeah. And um, because that makes sense to me. Since I was a fetus, I was just yeah. belting. Yeah. No, no, not at all. Um, yeah. I, I was objectively not a good singer. Um, as every, as many people are like, even people who don't sing, some of them have decent voices. They just mm -hmm. naturally can be on pitch and stuff. And those people are just gifted. And I just was not like that. I couldn't sing on pitch. I didn't have right. vibrato. I didn't have any, yeah, just not good. Like just one of those people who shouldn't even sing in the shower sort of <laughs> thing. Um, but, you know, just tried, just tried. And I had really supportive as I said, my friend Shay got me into guitar and he also coerced me to some extent to start singing um, and super supportive. 
I think that's the the main thing. It's a very um, it's a very confronting thing and a very nerve wracking thing to be singing in society. It's quite a weird thing to be trying to do. Yeah. Um. So if you don't have supportive people around you, it can really knock you back. Um. That's if I would say anyone wants to learn singing, um, or if your friends are trying to learn singing, don't be mean because yeah. you don't know what they could be. Everybody sounds like that when they haven't tried yet. So be supportive. Um, yeah, because it is quite a confronting thing. I'm sure, especially as we were talking about before, you, you, you've been quite an introverted guy in your mm-hmm. past. Um, and now look at you, you're on a podcast. But um, <laughs> um, but I'm sure singing was very confronting for you, would it be, when you were starting out? Yeah. yeah the only way I was kind of able to do it was at the time I was in a band and I wasn't the singer and then our singer left and I kind of showed some people, uh, showed the band some of the songs I was working on. Like you're the new singer now. And it was <laughs> just like, I- I'd been doing some singing lessons before that, but um, just for something to do more so than actually wanting to perform. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was just like, just cause I was a pushover and it's just like, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm the singer now. The rest of the band says I'm the singer, I'm the singer. Well, that's it. like I was saying, that's the supportive nature that you need, like the, yeah. the, the environment that you need. If, if they weren't so accepting and even not, not only supportive, but they were nearly, you know, they gave it to you like that. They yeah. weren't just saying, all right, we're happy if you're, you're the singer. They're like, you're the singer. Yeah. That's, that's nice. That's exactly kind of what I had as well. Like um, that positive reinforcement um, when you're doing something, especially performing in any way performing or showing a vulnerability if you give positive reinforcement even if it's not the best like i can objectively say that my performances when i was started out singing were not great mm-hmm. as anybody would be like when i was in high school and i'm singing for the first time in front of people that's not going to be a great performance like objectively but people were still really nice to me about it and that positive reinforcement regardless of the actual performance makes you continue and makes you get better you know no, definitely Picasso wasn't out there painting amazing paintings when he was first, first picked up a brush right yep. he painted probably kids pictures when he was younger you know what I mean so yes sure. um it's all about growing and if you have that support that gives you the ability to grow how far between starting to sing was it before you were doing your own gigs well I started singing properly as a per, like as an adult um i guess at 17 right mm-hmm. um and i started gigging at um i'd say around the time of the voice so maybe 18 and a half so a year and a half between then and then um yeah i worked at i worked at imax that was like my job while mm-hmm. i was at um at jmc and then when i went on the voice um I had to defer JMC for that. But then when I came off, then I quit IMAX and started doing gigs full time. Cause that was, as I said, that was like my push to kind of put more effort into the music side of it. And um, playing gigs pays really well in Sydney. So yeah. I, I may, I did the math and I'm like, well, it's actually better money to be doing gigs than to be working at IMAX. And also I love to perform. So it's kind of a win-win there was no real thought about it. 
whether I should give up that job for music because it was just no question. Yeah. Uh, you've mentioned the the voice a couple of times in your mm. audition. Um, I've never actually properly spoken to anyone who's about their experience on The Voice, so I just wanted to know what it was like auditioning um, and what was the experience like for you? Yeah, the experience was um, it was good. It, it, yeah, it was, it was um, very exciting, obviously, as you can imagine at that point, um, like being 18 and only just starting singing and, and, you know, it seems like there's a big, bright, future ahead of you when you're going through that whole process and it's it's very enjoyable and it was very fun and met a lot of lovely people who were great musicians um and still are am in contact with people from the show um obviously as you can imagine when you get a bunch of people who really love music together you're going to make friendships yeah. so that was a big part of it it was great um it was a good experience it was um really confronting like confronting your fears kind of thing. It's quite a lot of pressure to have. I wasn't even one of the youngest people on the show. There was people that were, I think, um, yeah, the, the Ellie Drennan was um, the girl who won my season. Um, and we ended up being really good friends, but um, she, she, she was 16 at the time. Wow. And so, yeah, it is quite confronting to be that young and going from playing, you know, bar gigs in Sydney to being on national TV very quickly like that. Um, but overall, I mean, it was a good experience. I mean, it's, it's, um, it is what it is. I think I've come to a more holistic outlook on that show. Um, and people can, people can say it's the best thing in the world and people can say that it's a money-making machine and it doesn't give the artists the rights, but I think it's, it's a TV show that gives Young people, a platform does do that. If you're good, many people will be watching you um, and you you can get opportunities from that. But also it is a TV show um, and it does need to get ratings. And so there are things that go about on those sort of shows that are designed to get ratings and maybe not are in the best interest of the artists. So um, yeah, it's it. I would, I mean, if you're young and you wanted to, you thought, you wanted to have a go at it, I wouldn't discourage it. Um, I would say go for it. Yeah. It's, but I think having realistic expectations about what you get out of it would be beneficial for you. Sure. If you were to do it again, um, was, is there anything you would do differently going into it? Um, when I, when I was younger, as I said, I was working at IMAX at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, I think, you know, we all know that they want like a story and whatever. That's a very common thing that people know. Yeah. And me being quite young and quite impressionable, you know, just starting out doing music and you're talking to producers and stuff like that, they kind of craft a narrative for you in a sense. And mm-hmm. I think just now as being a, being a few years older, I probably would put my foot down on what I would want to be portrayed as because definitely if you're quiet, if you're a quiet person or if you're not, if you don't have something super special about your past um, or super tragic about your past, they will try and craft something to make it, make you be original, make you look, um, make you stand out from everybody else. And in that sense, they, they tend to manipulate who you are in a way. Um, right. so I'd probably just be a bit more firm about 
who I was and what, what I wanted from it. But that just comes with age and, and just knowing what I want now in a sense. Like I just want to make music and I want to perform music to people because I get a lot of enjoyment out of that. I get to release my emotions. Um, it's, a, it's an outlet of creativity for me. And also um, people tend to like it too. Like, so it's a beneficial thing. They get to hear music that hopefully they'll enjoy and I get to have a creative outlet. So I like music because it's a win-win in that way. It doesn't hurt anybody. In fact, it brings joy to both people, me and the audience. So I'm, I'm much more clear about what I want and what I think and care about. So that would be the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Something I've, I don't watch it as much nowadays um, as I did kind of when it first started, but I would occasionally find someone's like, oh, I like that person's voice. And then you actually are probably in the same boat of this uh, with these people. Um, but it's like, oh, I want to check out their music. And it's just like, oh, there's nothing to check out yet. For sure. Mm. Yeah, the, 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 um, the contracts. Well, a lot of these people are quite young. Like I didn't have any music out when I went on the show. Some people who I was friends with who were on my, on my season were, um, they did have music out, mm-hmm. um, which was really beneficial for them because as you said, oh, I like their voice. I'm going to go check them out on Spotify. And then they, they did get um, a decent amount of views from that, which is really good for them. Um, there's, there's kind of like in the contracts, they kind of stop you from releasing. I couldn't as soon as I went on TV go, hey, guys, thanks for seeing me on TV last night. Here's my new single because that's kind of you're kind of capitalizing on the TV show and they don't right. really allow you to do that. So they have kind of, um, yeah, you, there's just periods in which you can't like kind of post new music, which to be fair is understandable. I mean, okay. people would definitely take advantage of that, but, you know, it's a bit strict in that way. Yeah. So um, especially for young kids, I don't know. I guess, yeah, it's, it's just difficult. I'm sure there's reasoning behind it uh, as to why they, they don't allow it. But, um, yeah, it would be nice because these kids are just going on there to spread their music. They're not looking to, to do anything, you know, take anyone's money or anything. They yeah. just want to spread their music. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I think you can't find people's music a lot because a lot of these kids who go on these shows or people who go on these shows, um, are just emerging. They're just starting yeah, sure. out their journey. That makes and sense. They've gotten picked for the show because they are emerging. They're not like a pre-existing artist, you know. The whole point of the shows is to get these unknown people and you know, that's the whole premise. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Uh a couple of clips I was able to find of you on the voice. They're only there's like a couple of 20 second clips. Mm. Um it was interesting to see Babyface Ethan. Oh, without a beard, like, I know. Yeah, it's like I've never seen seen anything like it before. <sighs> I look so different. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but something I think I may have seen your audition, but I didn't know you at the time. Um oh, that there was um there was a moment where I think it was Jessie J turned around and she came and sat on the stage and just looked up at you. Was that um a bit intimidating? Um, at the time, no, because I didn't really know what was going on. I was just like, I'm singing my song kind of thing. Um, 
it does seem like that watching it back that that would have been scary, but I didn't, it wasn't a confronting thing. Like you're already sitting in front of a crowd of like a thousand something people and you've got four celebrities in chairs with their backs. It's all very much like an intimidating experience. So that part of it didn't make it any worse okay. in that regard. Um, in fact, it kind of made me more comfortable because I knew that she was into it or something, you know, she'd already turned around at that stage. Um, so when she came up and sat next to me, I'm like, well, this is, this can only be a good sign because if she didn't care, she wouldn't have turned around and then she definitely wouldn't have come up and sat next to me. So, um, yeah, probably actually made me more comfortable. Yeah. Okay. Mm. That's, um, that's a good thing. Um, so you, did you go on, was it her team you were on? Yeah. I ended up picking her. It was Delta. Um, Delta and Jesse turned around. I picked, mm-hmm. I picked Jesse. Yeah. And so getting to work with uh, Jesse J a little bit, was there, what, what kind of things did you learn from her about performing or singing? Cause she mm. is such an incredible singer. Amazing singer. Yeah. And that's part, I mean, so is Delta, so is Delta Goodrum, but um, yeah. What I learned from her, um, you, it's kind of very quick. Like you, uh, especially in this, in this, this stages that I got to, I'm sure when you get to the live stage, you have a lot more time with these people, but in the stages that I did, um, you have like kind of set time limits of how long you can be with these people. Um, and yeah, meant really helped out. She's super objective and she just wanted to help really quickly. Like, yeah. cause she knows how much time she has with each people. So it's kind of like, there's no BS. Like she goes in and, and goes, all right, sing the song. Let's see how we can fix it, make it better. So it's very objective and she's very much like a vocal coach in that way. Um, She just kind of helped us with performance in general, like conveying emotion and maybe you're flat on that note, open your mouth a bit more, like all of these general tips that vocal coaches would give you, she kind of gave us. So um, you also have a vocal coach on the show that's the voice vocal coach. So it's not just Jesse J who helps you with the songs. It's a bunch of other people as well. Sure. Yeah, it's good. Something I wanted to talk about now. Um, hmm. You're as well as doing your solo thing. Um, you're also in a band, Chasing Giants. I'm wearing I the, am in a band, wearing Ooh. the hat right now. Yes. Um, you can't see because it's a podcast, but I'm wearing a Chasing Giants hat. <laughs> One of my top hats, I would say. It's good. They're really good quality, actually. Yeah, they're, yeah, they are nice. Starting off with that band, they're kind of a. They were. You've changed recently, but. It used to be, it was just a uh, bass, drums, and guitar, and just work with whatever whatever singers they wanted. Mm-hmm. And you were one of the earlier ones. You did a song, "Bad News," which um, yeah, such a good song. Love it. But recently, you've you're a, uh, you're the full time singer. Yeah, yeah. As of um, maybe like a year now. It's been about a year. Um, Obviously, through COVID, we've not been able to do much. But, um, yeah, it's all kind of like these things are all delayed. So we've done a lot of things. They've just not come out yet, but they will. Was that a when they when they asked you, was it an easy yes? Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, um, I enjoyed the way that we were working and in the capacity that we were working with the band. Um, There was a lot of freedom with them doing the whole, uh, you know, they could write any genre pretty much. That was yeah. the sort of idea was that they could write for 
they could write a rock song and have a rock singer sing it and they could write an R&B song and have an R&B girl sing it and have this sort of free open music band. That was the idea. I think just in practice, um, uh, obviously you can't have 15 singers on the road. So that's yep. kind of why we, me, uh, I was one of the lead singers, Adam Kearns, shout out to Adam and Alicia Deep, shout out to, uh, to Alicia. Um, we were kind of like the three road singers. Yep. Um, it was me originally. And then we needed a, a female to, um, to sing the, the duets cause we wrote some duets and then, um, I went away to Europe to travel and they needed to fill in someone to fill in my place. So they got Adam to sing the lead. And then when I came back, we actually just were like, no, we don't want to like, we want Adam to still be here. Um, he has a slightly higher voice than me as well. So some songs that they wrote, um, were quite a stretch for me and he can belt them like crazy. So I'm like props to him. He's amazing. Um, yeah, so that was a great, a great way to do it, but just, things got in the way with sort of like how to market that whole thing. And um, uh, yeah, just things, things like it's pretty much like the, the direction when you, when you don't have a singer of a band, it's a bit hard to really have a focal point in a way. Mm-hmm. And not that the singer is the be all and end all of a, of a band. That's not what I'm trying to say, but there is something about a lead singer that is um, kind of cohesive about the whole band. Yeah. So that thought started to come through and then, um, yeah. And then I, and then they asked me to join as the lead singer. Um, and yeah, said, yes, I love working with the boys. Um, yeah. Jake, Ben and Moz were awesome to work with. Um, and yeah, it was great. Um, but then yeah, Moz, Moz ended up leaving the band. He's, um, living out in the country now. Um, I think he, yeah, it's just city life was not, working well for him and no, yeah. you know differences in trajectory were just yeah so he just wanted to move out and so um move out to the country again where he's from and um yeah he's so that's sort of the lineup change that we've gone through um to this point yeah no doubt no. are you still still searching for that bass player we are searching we've we've worked with many bass players obviously in the period between moz leaving and now we've worked with a bunch of bass players and um, yeah, don't know how much I can say about this, but um, yeah, we're, we're, we're looking good. We're looking really good. Something I wanted to talk about with um, live performance with you mm. is at least every time I've seen you play, you've, you use a loop pedal. I do. Uh, is that, is that something you've always used for live performance? Yeah. Solo, um, solo live performance. I use loop pedal. Um, yeah, I have used it for a long time. Um, it, it's stemmed from just wanting to do more with my live performance yeah. acoustically. Um, there's something just fun and creative about using a looper um, that you can you can add a beat to something, take it away. You can add mm-hmm. vocals to something, take it away when it's only you on stage. And I think that's that's pretty cool, especially when it's done in a creative manner. Um, it's quite a common thing now for people to use yeah. loop, loop pedals. Um, and it was pretty, co- it was pretty common when I got a loop pedal as well. It's not like I invented looping, but, um, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. And it, it gives me a, a freedom to make a more interesting song for people. And it's more creative for me. It means I can solo over yeah. my own thing, especially when I do cover gigs. Um, 
you want to mix it up sometime. If you're gigging constantly on the daily, every day, um, you want to mix it up and be able to, you don't just play the same songs over and over and over and over and over again. So yeah, um, it's nice to mix it up. Yeah, for sure. Do you loop when you play? No, I used to, um, I, I've never done, I don't think I've ever done live looping. I used to have a loop pedal. Um, I used it. It was actually, no, it was one of those, oh, what's the band called? Uh, it's like a vocal pedal, but it has a, you can plug your guitar in and kind of T- TC Helicon, the, oh, those yeah. pedals. Um, it was one of those that just had a looper built in um, so you can loop guitar and vocals. Oh, was but, it their delay pedal, I think? Was it white colored? A white um, it was, so it was a, it was, so it was a vocal pedal with a, and a, like a multi-effects pedal all in one all in one yeah um yeah and it was i don't know i never really got into it i wrote actually i wrote dixie on that so um there you go that was like kind of my one ex- experiment with writing using loops did you did you write the what oh what oh what oh yeah it was, that, um, was that looped over yeah it was a actually on the loop it was a lot bigger than it is now yeah interesting um the 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 vocal part i think i got less less layers of vocals but um yeah actually but what i wanted to say was with you using the loop pedal um i see and you're not like this but um a lot of people i see they use a loop pedal and you can just see that they've they've seen a ton of ed sheeran videos (laughs) and then like you'll hear the exact same (laughs) covers that ed sheeran does yeah um for sure and if you hear the Ed Sheeran's covers enough, you can know what loop's going to come next. For sure, it's like, like it's it's rehearsed out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, I think you're 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 more original with it, which I which I like. I think I think that just comes from just because I pl- I play so many gigs. Like, yeah, you it, you just get so bored if you did something the same way. So, yeah. um, uh, when I learn new songs on guitar, um, to play, or if I write my own song. Um, I'll figure out how to loop it. And I have different techniques about how to build a song in a loop pedal because there's yep. certain parameters that you're you're confined to. You have two tracks and you can record stuff into this one and you can record stuff into this one and you can turn each one on and off or yep. both of them on, both of them off. They're the parameters that are set for my loop pedal. You can get ones with more that are much bigger, but my one has two channels. Um, and so I'm, you just kind of learn how to arrange the song best while fitting the confinement of the looper. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like working within those parameters? Something simplistic about it. Like I feel like if you had more going on, it's too much looking down yeah. and it's not, it's not enough looking out and performing out. Cause as much as it's fun to loop and do these things, like, um, I find some people it's like you you've done five minutes now and the song's not even started. You know what I mean? You, so I, I try and find um, ways to speed up my looping. So like rather than waiting a whole nother bar to come in again and do another thing, I'll arrange it so that I can, I don't have to wait. I can do the kick, snare, kick, snare, kick, snare. So I don't wait you know, so everything's happening fluidly and it builds quicker and it's more entertaining that way, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think that was maybe the problem I had. I couldn't work it out how to, like, 
I'd worked out a bunch of covers or whatever doing loops. It was always just like it's just taking so long to set up the song that yeah, everyone's just going to be bored. <clears throat> For all, I'm, I'm sure there's many musicians listening to your podcast because um, it's about music. Mm-hmm. Um, if people are trying to get into looping, the one thing I would say would be do the most rhythmic, um, the, the fastest uh, rhythm first um, because, uh, first of all, it's easy to keep time keep in time something that's happening quicker so if you have something like that's a 16th note like it's much easier to keep that in time than to go boom boom like that okay so and the first loop of a loop pedal is the most important because that's what keep that's what every other loop afterwards fits in the time frame of that first loop so if you get the first loop right it'll all fall in place right in time as long as you you know, unless you actually go out of time, but that first loop is the most crucial. So I'd say do the most rhythmic thing first. Okay. And that could be a beat or it could be like a riff. You know, if the riff's really percussive and you can keep the time well of the riff, do the riff first. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. I should, I should give it another go. I just need to, I'll need to buy another loop pedal, but you should. Um, yeah. I've got the other RC30 is the one. Okay. I yeah. Use. Yeah. Oh, that seems to, mm. seems to be the popular one. It's very popular. Yeah. Yeah. So All right, I think that about wraps us up for today. Amazing. Um, yeah, thanks um, Thanks for doing it. No, my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and thank you to Ethan Conway for joining me this week. Don't forget to check out Ethan's music on Spotify and Apple Music or wherever you listen to music, and also give him a follow on Instagram and Facebook. All the details in the description of this episode. And remember to subscribe to Life on Music wherever you're listening right now. And you can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram for a couple of videos from each episode. And it's just a good way to keep up to date with the show. Again, all the details in the description of this episode. Until next week, thank you for joining me. Life on Music was brought to you by Be Groovy or Leave. Head to BeGroovyOrLeave.com to discover the best in new music.